Hey homies, I'm Katie, I'm Sydney, and this is Something Sick. Welcome back. Heck yeah. Episode 11. 11. Crazy. It's wild. We're out here. Double digits. Hey. <laughs> well. Do we have anything specific to talk about today? I don't know. I'm thinking. I don't have anything. Me neither. So I guess we can just jump right into it. We have no business, as other <laughs> podcasts would say, because <laughs> we don't have any business. Because <laughs> we have nothing else going on in uh, our lives. Shout out to our listeners in Ireland. We love you. I, I mean, think I'm going to shout out to you every week from now on. So. Katie really loves Ireland. I do. So she's never been. I no. haven't either. We want to go. My my dream place to go. But shout out to our listeners everywhere. We're we're very happy that yeah. this is happening. Tell your friends. Yeah. Anyways, there's sirens in the background right now. Don't know if you can hear that. There's always sirens. Yay. They're still going. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> All right. So what are we talking about this week? We are going to talk about Alcatraz. Hey. And I thought this was going to be easy. <laughs> and it was not. Katie ran into the opposite problem that she usually has. There's so much information. Because <laughs> the history, it's so, it, I don't know, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And the website I found had so much and so this is not all not everything by any means down the road everyone wants to hear more you can let me know i don't know if it's the most exciting information that i left out but i mean you can also do your own research (laughs) true i looked up this website that i used mostly was the alcatraz history i don't know if it's dot com i'm assuming it's dot com probably but they had a lot so cool i mean thanks shout out to them yeah they had a lot it's cool. There's a lot of pages. I'm and ready. I could use some editing, but okay. <laughs> the website, not me, of course. <laughs> Katie My, is I perfect. Def- <laughs> I definitely could use some editing, but I don't handle criticism. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Okay. Well, I started this off talking about one of my favorite people. Um, Alcatraz is a rock, often referred to as the rock. <laughs> oh my god! But not to be confused with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> I had no idea where that was going. <laughs> I was like, who was it? Alcatraz is your favorite person. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. And I referred to it as The Rock a few times. <laughs> and I'm just imagining Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Katie really I loves love The Rock. How can you not? I mean, yeah. He's a valid. good person. We I love think. The Rock. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. Great. Got it. The Rock. <laughs> Alcatraz's first surveyor wrote that the island is mainly irregularly stratified sandstone covered with a thin coating of guano. Don't ask me what guano. Guano? Like bat poop? I guess. Yeah, that's how I know what it is. I think I learned that on (laughs) Scooby-Doo, which I did not actually watch for this. It's just covered in... I guess. Okay. Yep. (laughs) Okay. They also wrote that there are many seams in the stone which make it unfit for building purposes. And then they just built on it anyway? Yeah. I think they also meant like you can't break it up to build things with, to use, I think. Okay. Because I don't, I think they were like, we can't use this as a quarry or anything. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I clearly did not read this because the next sentence I wrote says there is no bean. That is not. (laughs) There's no bean? I meant beach. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote there's no bean. (laughs) Guys, I'm 
tired when I wrote this. <laughs> Clearly did not read it through well. Okay. So there's no beach. This is going to be a long one. <laughs> Suckle yourselves in. There is no beach and only like two or three places that small boats could pull up to on the island. Mm-hmm. Makes it pretty inescapable, you, which is the purpose of the prison. Yeah. But seeing as it is a rock, there's no flowing water going through it. There's no vegetation growing. So there's no natural resources to pull from for people there, which is very different from every other location that I've talked about so mm-hmm. far because all of them are like, we're self-sustainable and don't need anybody else but alcatraz just Mm. said suffer (laughs) yeah so having only two or three small places for small boats makes it good for not letting people escape it but also i can't imagine how hard it was to bring supplies in Mm -hmm. like that just seems like a lot so the rock island is roughly 1705 feet long and 580 feet wide at its widest point Mm -hmm. it's kind of weirdly shaped but it has two sort of peaks that are each kind of around 135 feet above sea level i don't know anything about that i was just like nodding as and my next one the island is about 22 acres i don't know what an acre is if i'm being completely honest I can, like, visualize it because I know people who, like, live on an acre. Yeah, I mean. We, but, like. That's all. Uh, cool. Seems big compared to what I think, what 1,705 feet seems like. I don't know. Cool. Seems big. Anyways, that's all I wrote about the island. <laughs> but naming Alcatraz was something that I did not know. So there's a few. They think that some people had seen the island before, like, when they discovered the Golden Gate area in San Francisco, but no one really actually named it until the first European who they think, clearly no one knows exactly, was Frigate Lieutenant. I don't know what that means. <laughs> and I thought I was saying it wrong, but YouTube said otherwise, but Frigate, frigate. <laughs> Frigate Lieutenant Don Juan Manuel de Ayala, who sailed in August 1775, the first ship to our knowledge, into San Francisco Bay. He wrote about naming the nearby Angel Island. There's like five islands Mm -hmm. in the area that are mainly there. And he decided he wanted to go inspect a different island instead of Angel Island and kind of went past it. And according to him, the one he went to was so arid and steep, there is not even a boat harbor there. And he named it Island de los Alcatrazes, which means Island of the Pelicans. Because there were a lot of pelicans. I know. Neither of us like birds for context. (laughs) I saw a man fighting geese last week and I screamed. No, thank you. Anyway, but there is actual debate about if he was on the island that is Alcatraz today or if he actually was at a different island because on his map, he labeled a different island as Alcatraz. Hmm. But then some people think maybe he just messed it up and was confused and no one really knows. (laughs) I'm going to be real. I don't understand how people like made maps before you had like an aerial view of things. No idea. I don't get it. No idea. But that's cool. But then, so it was on a Mexican map of the Bay Area until like 1825. And it was, there's an island called Yerba Buena today. And that's what was labeled as Alcatraz. But then in 1820, uh, 1826, a British Navy captain named Frederick Beachy, uh, Beachy, not beanie. <laughs> like the hat, no. <laughs> like beachy, like the thing they don't have. And he was granted permission by Mexican authorities to survey the Bay Area and gave each of the islands the name that they have today. Okay. And so he kind of just was like, this is Alcatraz, this is this. And like, even if the map said different, he just gave them a new name. And those are the names that have stuck. So it's confusing. Great. There's probably more. I didn't, 
I tried to read it. It's a lot. Anyway, so the history of the island is very detailed and confusing with a lot of military things that I don't personally understand and didn't really have the brain power to go through and try to understand. So I have like a very brief, very, very brief little thing before I go into transitioning it to a maximum security penitentiary. Mm -hmm. And so the first lighthouse on America's Pacific shores stood on Alcatraz for almost 125 years. And then the rock... Was a military prison for military convicts for about 75 years. And there's a lot. This is what a lot of the website was about. And then Alcatraz was also key in defending the San Francisco Harbor for about 50 years. Mm -hmm. So there's also a lot of islands around that had military bases and stuff. So it's just very military based. Yeah. And then moving now to the stuff that I actually knew something about in that it's a federal penitentiary. <laughs> and so in 1933, the United States Department of Justice completed the arrangements to take over the military prison to transition Alcatraz to a federal penitentiary. Uh, there was a ton of pushback from the San Francisco community. They said, we don't want that. No. <laughs> the San Francisco Chronicle had a list going throughout October of 1933 of all the groups that were opposed to the penitentiary, including the police chief, the police commission, and even the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. The police police were like if they escape it becomes a problem <laughs> well uh they were really just they were opposed to having a bunch of gangsters so close to the city and an, an editorial in the san francisco chronicle also said that it was too close to be a summer resort for bad guys which i wouldn't call it a summer <laughs> resort but okay uh, the same article also claimed that these gangsters would have outside friends who would help them escape, especially since 17 military prisoners were able to escape by swimming or stealing boats, and six more had managed to find a way out each with some type... Oh, sorry. I wrote that weird. They, like, they either stole a boat or swam or had some type of ruse and, like, mm -hmm. got off some other way. Mm -hmm. But it's like, 17? Well, no. More than 17 people got out. Yeah. That's which is not like, great. Yeah. I understand their concern. Yeah. And then also one group that joined the protest was the Federation of Women's Clubs. And they had two women, Doris McLeod and Gloria Scigliano, something like that. They separately and successfully swam all the way out to the island to prove that prisoners could easily escape that way. That is cool. I know. That's scary. I know. I would not do that. No. Was it still a military prison at the time? I think so. Like, I think they were about to transition it. Like, they swam out there. That is really bold. The civilians do or did live on the island, at least when Alcatraz was a thing. Mm -hmm. Like, the people that worked there and had families, okay. they all lived on. That makes sense. Yeah. You wouldn't want to have to... Go back and forth. Especially because there's not really, like, a dock or a marine. Yeah, like which they did have, and I talk about it a little later, they had, like, a charter kind of, like, they had a boat mm. that went, like, 12 times a day back and forth so people could go shopping on the mainland, okay, yeah. but that's still not, like, that seems like a lot, but I also don't know if that was every day, mm -hmm. and I don't know. Huh. They, I don't think I would want to transfer my employees every night when they could just be there. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, they swam all the way out there. Uh, the San Francisco Chronicle also made a proposal for a statue of peace to be on Alcatraz in January of 1934 instead, but the Justice Department didn't even give them a shot. They didn't even listen. They had their minds set. Yeah. Um, but also, that's because in October 1933, several months before is when they had already, like, confirmed this is what's happening. Yeah. And they had released a statement that October that announced that things were in place to make the switch from military to federal prison and wanted to make it known that Alcatraz is very secure and has a reputation for being one of the most disciplined corrections institutions in the U.S., which I don't know. I'd 
maybe I should have read more about the military prison, <laughs> but clearly people were escaping. Yeah. But they, I know that they definitely wanted to make it super strict. Yeah. Especially with like who they hired to be the first warden who I'll talk about in a minute. But Alcatraz was not evacuated by military personnel until June of 1934. Mm -hmm. But even then, they continued to use the laundry services for army posts in the area. Okay. Seems weird. Yeah. Interesting place to go do your laundry. (laughs) Yeah. Let's go to another. Let's go to another island to do our laundry. Interesting. Uh, During this time, the Bureau of Prisons needed time to remodel everything before federal inmates were brought. The renovations were happening simultaneously with the army laundry. And there were also some other things that the army was responsible for, like bringing water to the island, which they did share the cost of. So there's the War Department and the Justice Department is what they said they were. And so they shared costs and things like that. Um, No new buildings could be built without the War Department's approval also. And many of the civilian employees working there switched and were, or were transferred from working under the war, Depar- war department to under the Justice Department. and But it, they said that the two government agencies worked pretty well together, mm-hmm. and they did share some lines of communication still. Okay. Yeah. So it's like a weird transition time. Yeah. And I guess it makes sense that it takes a while to do everything. Yeah, but. to like completely change a space. Yeah. yeah. It would be very weird. Like a military prison, I don't think they ever had like a crazy, and maybe they did have a crazy number of people there, but it would be a very big difference between like people that violated military things to people who murdered people. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Not that they, who knows, maybe they didn't murder people. I don't know. So some of the major changes that needed to be made to truly make Alcatraz a maximum security prison were replacing the open hearth steel window bars to toolproof steel. There's a lot of toolproof steel that they had to add everywhere. So that just means it's like steel that you can't Yeah, they can't cut through and break out of. So is there steel that you can cut through? I guess so, because I guess that's what they have. (laughs) Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, The director of the Bureau of Prisons, didn't know that existed, Sanford Bates was also thinking of adding gas, like gas guns and stuff, and gun metal detectors for when people come in. So... To get like an idea on if these things are were good ideas, he contacted the Prison Equipment Bureau in Cincinnati, Ohio, to send an expert to figure out what changes were necessary. And this ended up being an engineer named Robert C. Bunge. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a name. Uh, this guy created a really long list of changes. It was pages and pages oh, of goodness. changes, which is like, how secure was it before? <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> clearly not clearly not super yeah uh i said i'm not going to go into detail but boy did he (laughs) he popped off yeah (laughs) i guess that's his job he was an engineer so that makes sense but the military prisoners had a little bit more access to the island parts of the island Mm -hmm. but the federal prisoners had way more restrictions and they were only allowed to be in the area that included the prison the utility building and the laundry shops building and hopefully I can find a, a map of that and post it on mm-hmm. Instagram. But if not, I'm sorry. Uh, there was a communication tunnel that had to be sealed off that they used. To, like it was underneath everything. Mm-hmm. And they had to put toolproof graded doors on one or both sides to make it inescapable. Huh. Yeah. The What was the communication tunnel for? Originally? It was probably like, I'm assuming military people to like get to, to like one. Get from one side to the other. Yeah, to okay. communicate things. Uh, because also the guard quarters had to be completely redone because the whole interior was wooden. And so if someone just got there and started a fire, oh. gone. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
that had to be done. Uh, there were electric outlets in the cells that had to be covered with a box on the cell side so that inmates could not blow fuses to the entire cell block. Yeah. Don't know why they had access to that ever, but that's okay. Uh, they like electrocute themselves or something. Yeah. yeah. It's really not good. Uh, there were a lot more things that had to be done, mm-hmm. but I didn't really write it down. I just said it included a lot of toolproof steel and concrete and double grating, like they did double grates on their doors yeah. and everything. And it was just a lot. Um, instead of the tear gas and gun detectors that Bates wanted to put in, it was recommended to him to equip the outside guards that were roaming around with two police dogs in a submachine gun. Um, what is that? I don't know. A machine gun, I'm assuming something. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, wall guards would have gas guns and grenades only on the prison, uh, like the outside prison wall. In grenades? Case of a, in case of like grenades of like gas. Okay. In case of a riot. Yeah. And then five federal gas guns would be in the main entrance. And then they put more in the mess hall, the kitchen and the assembly hall. They, I don't think they put any in the cell house because they, I think they tested it with like gas grenades and we're mm-hmm. like, those will do the trick. Like yeah. we just throw those in like that'll be fine. Uh, they, I think they wanted to put up an electrostatic perimeter, like a micro, they said like a microwave perimeter basically around the outside. But because so many employees and their families lived there, yeah. they decided not to do that. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. You don't want someone to accidentally run into that. Yeah. <laughs> Little kids, kids lived there. Yeah. I would never know. No, no. Like if my husband was like, hey, you want to live on Alcatraz? No. I have more later, but it's just like not a lot more, but yeah. a little more. Um, new fencing was put in in 1934, as well as emergency an emergency lighting system in the morgue. And the fence had barbed wire on top and then had like a steel walkway around the shops building that's still there today. And that was really having that walkway there was that the police dogs could go Mm -hmm. and check things out, I think. Um, The hospital facilities were basically nothing except for first aid plus an x-ray machine. So not super helpful. Not great. (laughs) No. And there was a dentist office there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there were apparently two first, first class in quotes, bowling alleys. I think- at least one was for the civilians. Okay. And I'm assuming the other one's probably also for guards or something. Yeah. But they had two bowling alleys, which just feels... That's so weird. <laughs> I mean, that's what I would want to do in my free time. But just to think of Alcatraz having that. Two. They have two bowling that's alleys. That's so interesting. I know. But I also... I, I wrote this because I was thinking about it. I... It said first class. I would want more of a sketchy bowling alley. I think that gives it more character when you go bowling, when it's a little like, should we be here right now? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Maybe the, not. Half of the charm. Yeah. But also imagine you're, you're a prisoner in Alcatraz and you could just hear like the bowling ball hitting the <laughs> strike. <laughs> like, that's so funny. <laughs> like you're um, just sitting there. That's sad. I know. I mean, I mean they deserve to be there. Yeah. But, I, mean, I mean, I don't think they could hear I'm the sure they couldn't alley. with that much steel. Yeah. <laughs> but still. Still, that's funny. Um, okay, so there's a lot more to all of that, but I didn't write any of it down. So the first Bureau of Prisons personnel started to move to Alcatraz in February of 1934. This timeline is very like back to these yeah. days. This mm-hmm. happened, but then this happened. But so February 1934, um, construction progress reports began in April of that year, and then by the end of that month, 269 cells had been installed and a lot more stairways and doors and grating. And the first warden assigned to Alcatraz was James A. Johnston in November of 1933. 
He was known for being a strong disciplinarian who had led reform in Folsom and San Quentin state penitentiaries. This, Whoa, this guy, that's a resume. He's really intense. <gasps> okay. Yeah. He took office on Alcatraz on January 2nd, 1934 and moved into his quarters on April 5th, which was three months before the penitentiary was officially like established and ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, his house, I didn't write this down. It had like four or five bedrooms. It was big. Dang. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I yeah. guess that makes sense, but wow. Yeah. Uh, Johnston chose his deputy warden to be CJ Shuttleworth. Don't know anything about him. Uh, and then four lieutenants, and I didn't write their names down, but that's okay. fine. Uh, the warden decided that 38 guards were needed originally, but then realized that was a bit low and changed yeah. it to 49. That but then, still seems low. I know. But then by August that year, 52 guards were hired. And then obviously they had to keep adding. Yeah, because you said 269 cells, right? I know. That's yeah. a, I know. Oh, okay. I know. Interesting. Yeah. They very quickly realized we need more yeah. than we planned. Um, the Chronicle, San Francisco Chronicle, had reported in January of 1934 that the first prisoners would include Al Stagarface Capone and George Machine Gun Kelly and Harvey Bailey, who were two, those two last two were notorious kidnappers in Oklahoma. Uh, this rumor was never confirmed by Johnston, but the three did end up at Alcatraz by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> I feel like they had a lot of inside information, this newspaper, but it was like always like kind of right, but they were like, we never told you that, but it ended up being I'm proud of them. Yeah. (laughs) They got the scoop. Yeah. So the first prisoners were 32 men that the military had actually left behind, and it was kind of a practice run almost, and so they became the responsibility of Warden Johnston on July 1st, 1934, And but he had actually kind of already been keeping watch of them since the army left on June 19th. So they were kind of the test run. And then the first federal inmates arrived in August of 1934. Then San Francisco Chronicle reported on August 3rd that a man named Robert Bradford Moxon had been brought as the first prisoner, prisoner number one, the day before. Woo! Uh, He was in prison for violating postal laws and had actually been a guard on Alcatraz when it was a military prison. Oh. But, okay, never mind. I'll have to get there in a second. Okay. The headline read, Prisoner number one draws cell on Alcatraz Island. Check writer, former army guard, first devil isle felon. Uh, he actually was not already on Alcatraz. They reported that incorrectly, but he was, he did end up being the first prisoner after the army prisoners left behind. Huh. But they were really jumped the gun on some yeah. of these. But yeah, first devil isle felon. Is that like what they called it? The devil isle? I think a lot of people okay. did. Yeah. They really did not like it. I don't blame them. Um, Okay, so the first group of 14 federal prisons arrived on August 11th, 1934 from McNeil Island in Washington. Number one rule for this was to keep the press in the dark. And this was the like official federal inmate practice run for. Yeah. So there was like the let's see if it works with military and then let's try it with a small group of federal prisoners. And so... This is how they did it. So the prisoners were taken from a special train car down to somewhere and then onto a freight wharf instead of like a ferry area and then across a gangplank to a boat. And then once they got to Alcatraz, they were marched into the cell house and they were taken. They were searched and given numbers and cells and then they were taken to the bathhouse where they were stripped and searched by a doctor who was looking for smuggled dope and then given a shower. 
And then Warden Johnston communicated back to, I think, the director of McNeil that um, he communicated the success of the transfer by saying 14 crates furniture from McNeil received in good condition, now installed. So they referred to inmates as furniture. Furniture. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, The Chronicle did not find out for four days, which is, I would say, pretty impressive since they got a lot of inside scoop. And they correctly named two of them, but got a third one wrong. I don't know which ones. But now I have... So the warden from McNeil sent a list of like bios and why he thought they should go to Alcatraz to Warden Johnston. Okay. Uh, and so I kind of wrote them down because I thought they were interesting. And there's 14. There's not a lot. But I will say he described pretty much every single one of them as an agitator and desperate. So, mm. yeah. So the first one, Elmer Cole, he was sentenced to 10 years for counterfeiting and escape and managed to escape from McNeil once. He was in the hospital at that time, close to the time of his transfer and had sawed the bars, but got caught. And so he's aggressive and desperate. Uh, It's interesting that like, I don't know, when I think of Alcatraz, I just think of like a bunch of murderers. Yeah. And so it's interesting that there's A lot of these aren't, there's only two on this list of 14 Mm -hmm. that were murderers. It's interesting that it's like counterfeit or whatever like i don't it's like not that's not something i think about being in a federal prison and a lot of this was because these people were like willing to break out yeah like Like, tried to make escapes that makes sense yeah they're willing to do whatever they gotta do um hal hernandez was the next one he was there he had a three-year sentence some of these are really short sentences that's also because i think about like federal prison i think long sentences yeah yeah these range from like a year to like life Mm mm-hmm which is crazy. Um, this guy, Hal, was three-year sentence for larceny and wanted by Washington State Prison due to parole violations. He was originally sentenced from... He was coming from Alaska originally and escaped when he was leaving Alaska, leaped overboard on the boat. And he was described as a leader who is desperate and risky. Okay. He just jumped off a boat in Alaska. That's... I mean, yeah. That's a bold yeah. move. Uh, the next guy, Veril Rapp. Very interesting name. Four-year sentence for assault on a police officer and breaking jail. He had a clean record at McNeil, but the warden said he would lead an escape. Hmm. Uh, Joseph Burke, 25-year sentence for violating postal laws and is an agitator and also was described as desperate. That's such a long time for violating postal well, laws. Well, I mean, that includes things like, that's what, like, the college admission scandal was kind that's of fair. had to do with that. Okay, yeah. And those people should have been in prison. I mean, longer, yeah. But. I know it has to do with, like, scams and, yeah. and stuff, but it's just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, next guy, Frank Souza, 10-year sentence for counterfeiting and is surly and is desperate to gain freedom. Okay. The, they know that these guys, like, they know when they're going to leave and escape. They're like, we got my eye on mm-hmm. Um, the next few were in on like a big escape plot together. Um, William E. Boyd had a five-year sentence for impersonating a federal officer and is an agitator who is always in trouble. He was found with a shotgun shells and a piece of pipe designed for a shotgun and had planned a mass escape with the idea of shooting the guard in the watchtower and then stealing a powerboat. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a bad one. Yeah. Along with him, James Walsh, who was sentenced to life for murder. Uh, he is always in trouble. And, you know, that makes sense since yeah. he murdered someone. Uh, yeah, that was, makes <laughs> he sense. He was in on the plot with Boyd and willing to kill to escape. So, <laughs> Well, clearly so is Boyd. So. Yeah. Um, Edgar R. Lewis was an 11-year sentence for counterfeiting and post office robbery. The old warden said he was as slippery as an eel who escaped the U.S. Marshal three times on the way to prison. 
Oh my gosh. He was also in on the mass plot and is very dangerous. And then Edward Wutke, he had a 27 year sentence for murder, 27 years for murder, uh, and it was involved in the massive escape plan. I actually found out about, he was one of the ones that I did find information on while at Alcatraz. Um, so what he did to murder, who he murdered was he worked on the SS Yale and he had stabbed a fellow crew member when he was drunk and they got in a fight. And then later at Alcatraz, he did not adjust well to the discipline and ended up committing suicide by using an extra razor blade and cutting his jugular. Oh. Yeah. And he died there on November in November 1937. So he wasn't there for a long. And then George Kerr, W. Kerr, was also in on the large mass escape plan, and he was in there for 27 years for postal robbery. I'm just going to say, if all of these people planned an escape together... Why would you put them in why together? Why would you send them to the same jail? Split them up. I send know. them all over the country. I know. Like, I don't get why you would send them all to the same place. We're still testing whether or not I people know. can escape. <laughs> I mean... I think they were like, no one's getting out of here ever. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if but they're that all just together. Is such an interesting choice. <laughs> yeah, you would think. <laughs> the next guy, Harry Dean, a 25 year sentence for postal law violations and assault, and is desperate and an agitator. Perry Reynolds, 10 year sentence for larceny, and he wanted to rob Fort Lewis. I don't, I, do I know where that is? No. That's <laughs> fine. Um, he had a good record, but is desperate. So they were like, you, you would do I mean, okay, like what do you have to do to like to for be, them to label you desperate, desperate. <laughs> you really want to get I just out just want to be out of prison i'm assuming most <laughs> of them want to be out of prison <laughs> doesn't matter what the reason is they probably want to be out yeah yeah interesting um there's two more that I, that were in this 14 um mark smith that's a pretty basic name. <laughs> Three year sentence for larceny and post office robbery. He he actually So many of them robbed the post office. <laughs> I don't know if that's what that means. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They robbed the post office. That's and funny. they got three years. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, this guy crashed through a prison gate in a truck and he's a desperate wanted man. Okay, that's valid. Yeah. yeah. And then this guy, John Stadig, Stadig. In my head, I thought you were going to say John, John Samos. <laughs> no. Close. Not actually. <laughs> uh, was also with him, with Smith in that okay. escape attempt with the gate. And he was in there for a six-year sentence for counterfeiting. So that was their first 14 federal inmates Got that it. they brought in. Uh, the wardens kept referring to them as furniture. And then the next group was brought in from Atlanta in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, and was 53 men on August 22nd. So, like, a little, not much time had passed, but that's decent to get adjusted. Mm -hmm. um, the, age, the ages from this group ranged from 22 years to 58 years. The youngest was, that's like the youngest federal prisoner, I think, like, ever. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Imagine being our age and being in federal no, prison. I legitimately have such a big fear of going to prison. I think about it. I'm like, I would not make it. I don't think I knew that about you. I don't like it. It scares me. I'm like, what would I even do? Like, in my head, I'm like, I know I would never do anything to get in prison, but it's terrifying to me. Okay. Um, their sentences ranged from one year to life. Uh, there were many different offenses, including... What seems a little more minor, like counterfeiting, forgery, then to kidnapping and arson, robbery, rape, and murder. Uh, the most notorious prisoner of this group was 35-year-old Al Capone. Who, I didn't realize he was only 35. Yeah, at the time of this. Yeah. And he was serving a 10-year sentence for violating the income tax law. I That's what it said. 
I, there's obviously more. I'm sure there's other stuff, but that's there what they got him on. More. Yeah. 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 Um, also, they moved him here because, and I was going to like go into detail on the infamous inmates, but I did not have this time for that. Um, but he had like the federal prisons he was at before. He could kind of like bribe officers and stuff. And then they were like, he can't do that at Alcatraz. And he did try. Oh, I'm sure he, he did. never, he like the warden was like, no. I'm not doing that. Yeah. And I think he said, like, the line he said was something like, Alcatraz has me licked or something. <laughs> he was only there for, like, four and a half years. But mm-hmm. um, after this group's arrival, the population of inmates was at exactly 100. And then a couple smaller groups came in on September 1st. And then September f- and then on September 4th, 103 inmates arrived from Leavenworth, Kansas. Uh, and this group included the infamous George Machine Gun Kelly, Albert L. Bates, and Harvey L. Bailey. And those three together uh, were the Oklahoma kidnappers, and they were sentenced to life in prison. Um, Good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there were no more mass, sh- mass shipments of inmates. That sounds so bad. Yeah. So that was like the last large group of inmates mm-hmm. to come to Alcatraz. And by the, and it was like, by now, the worst of the worst had been removed from other federal prisons and brought to The Rock. And so they were like, we don't they need any. in front of Dwayne, Dwayne the Rock, Rock Johnson. Johnson. <laughs> he took them in. Just, I bet they would all, I bet he would be good at reaching them. In emotionally. The heart. Yeah. <laughs> um, the number at this time was up to 211 and Alcatraz was seen as end of the line, but mm-hmm. surprisingly seven of those newer arrivals had requested the transfer and it said some were like their family was closer by and so okay. maybe they could come visit, but some just wanted to like get away from enemies at other prisons. That's valid. Yeah. Um, but so the average number of inmates between 1935 and 1960 was around 260 men with the highest number being in 1937 at 302 and the lowest in 1947 with 222. Um, In 1960, they kind of did like a report back on numbers and stuff. And in 1960, there were 254 prisoners. And out of that, 183 were white, 64 were black, and seven were classified as other, which is stupid. What? (laughs) Just say what they are. Just say what they're like. If you're going to just do that. I don't know. I don't like that. That's fine. Keep a record. I want to know. Anyways. So there were 38 deaths reported in 1960, I think from all the whole like time. the whole time. Yeah, yeah, the whole time. Um, and seven inmates were shot and killed by guards in escape attempts. Okay. <laughs> uh, and the 1946 riot, which was an escape attempt. Um, two prisoners were stabbed by fellow prisoners. Um, That's actually a low number, I would think. <laughs> yeah. They, I don't know. I feel like I read mixed things about Alcatraz from prisoners mm-hmm. points of views, which I do talk about soon. But um, six inmates were presumed to have drowned while escaping. There's at least one suicide, Edward Woodkey or whatever. Um, the remaining 25 of this number were either natural causes or not specified, if mm-hmm. violent of some sort. Um, Alcatraz closed down on March 21st, 1963, after 29 years of operation. Uh, it was mostly closed 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 due to deteriorating facilities and the increasing cost of operations it was the most expensive prison out of all state and federal penitentiaries it's far away from everything like and they kind of just decided like we can do these things at other prisons for a lower cost like we don't need that um there were 27 final inmates who at that time were just sent to maximum security prisons around the country and there's a lot more in between all that history and i just didn't have can i just say that transport like transporting inmates always freaks me out after that inmate escaped in my hometown which maybe at some point i'll talk about it yeah that has always scared me ever since then scares me a lot 
Yeah. I feel like it could happen in Nashville for some reason. Oh, I'm sure it has, will and has. has and, yeah. yeah. But yeah, uh-huh. um, an inmate escaped in my hometown yeah. when I was like 10. <laughs> it was Coming for you. <laughs> I'll cover it at some point somehow. Yeah. But. Okay. Now I have like stats and like information about like cell sizes and stuff. So there were 336 cells in B and C block. Uh, there were also 36 segregation cells not what you think when you think okay. so. it yeah. was like the isolation yeah. lockdown solitary kind of and then there were six like actual solitary confinement cells in d block those were all in d block actually that yeah anyway cool so there is an a block which was rarely used except for like short-term periods when someone like an inmate needed like some sort of solitary confinement but like didn't need like full solitary confinement, but just needed to be like separated from other inmates. But A block was mostly used for like storage of things and wasn't much. But uh, the average cell size was five feet by nine feet in the B and C blocks and had a small sink with only cold water and a small cot and a toilet. And most men could reach from one wall to the other with yeah, their arms. I was going to say that's really small. Yeah, it's tiny. Uh, in D block, otherwise known as segregation, the cells were a bit bigger, but no one obviously wanted to be there because they were stuck in their cells 24 hours a day except mm-hmm. for one visit per week to the rec yard and they had they were alone in the rec yard yeah. for that so understandable um underneath the cell house below a block a spanish dungeon is down there and people alleged that they would put unmanageable inmates in there in the later 1930s and correctional officers have actually confirmed that they would hear of or were made aware that the most extreme inmates were handcuffed down there to bars for short periods of time but obviously no one has 100 percent confirmed that but yeah i heard the rumor of that like like, i cannot yeah uh a block had been used for the isolation unit before d block was made into the lockdown area uh then this is kind of like where it was kind of like some inmates had decent like okay things to say and then others did not so the man whose cell was next to machine gun kelly was named willie radke and he reported that actually having their own cells was an advantage to other federal institutions because it lessened the chance of being sexually violated and gave them more privacy and he actually said that the staff pretty like for the most part treated prisoners with respect and he said that the food on alcatraz was the best in the prison system and considered his time there better than any other federal penitentiary interesting yeah you would think the food would be worse because they didn't have any on the like it all had to be transported there yeah that's interesting yeah on the other hand (laughs) roy gardner who was a notorious escape artist wrote a book called helcatraz (laughs) and said that the conditions were so terrible that he called it a tomb of the living dead so yeah um the thing that most inmates expressed discontent with was the rule of silence which meant they were not allowed to talk to each other at all not at meals not at rec time like they would be punished if they did were not quiet and like like, all the time all the time they had to be silent whoa and they luckily discontinued that in the later 1930s so it didn't last too long but they were not allowed to speak like most of them like there was someone that even told a reporter when they like got out that like even Al Capone was like struggling. Like everybody there was like, I can't handle being quiet all the time. Mm-hmm. Like even if they said like one word, they were in trouble. That's wild. That's like Johnson you would even start guys. to like lose your voice after a while if you're not like, yeah, speak. that's insane. insane. Yeah. Uh, another thing that's not as bad well it is bad reported that it's always cold there like unless you were in the like people envied the guys that got the higher up cells where mm-hmm. it was a little bit warmer. 
Um, another thing is that in regards to visitors, inmates were only allowed one per month and that had to be approved by the warden. And actually when you got to Alcatraz, I think there was like a 30 day or maybe it was, I heard 30 day to three month thing where they were mm-hmm. not allowed to have visitors. Yeah. There was no, when the visitors came, there was no physical contact allowed. Makes sense. And they were not permitted to talk about current events or prison life. What are you supposed to talk about in my, like, they're not allowed to Yeah, that's weird. And this was monitored by an officer because they would talk through like an intercom. And so they could hear what you're Mm -hmm. saying and you would get punished if you said something you weren't supposed to. Uh, And if that privilege could be taken away, the visiting privilege, or they would take away other things too. Mm -hmm. Uh, About, this is... Moving on from prisoners to life on the island, um, 300 civilians lived, about 300, lived on the rock, usually at any point, which included women and children, and they often enjoyed a small convenience store, the bowling alley, and a soda shop. And there were boats, like I said, that would take them to San Francisco each day for shopping and things. Mm -hmm. Um, Inmates with good, clean records would clean and cook for them. They would come in their houses and do things for them. Um... I would be like, nope, no, I'll do it myself. Also, like, I don't understand if they're like, we're the most like high security. Like, how are you going to let them just do that? Yeah. That I don't make know. Any sense. Me neither. I mean, I guess if they had the best food in the country, maybe they were good at it. <laughs> but I don't know. They're not cooking. There's some, some of the work assignments for okay. cooking. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 And I guess I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. They did. Some of the people do. And I feel like maybe other prisons. I would assume someone do that where they cook. But anyways. I feel like you wouldn't want them to have knives. Nope. That doesn't feel no. safe. It's not. But okay. There's a lot of things that are like, mm, could be bad. It's like you're going to give them like an oven and like knives and yeah that just feels there's something similar later but um then going back to the inmates the average time that prisoners were at alcatraz was about eight years and only two men were ever directly paroled from the island to the free world and people would ask johnston to like give them a list of people that would potentially be paroled and he was it took him forever. He was like, I don't really want to. Like, I think he just believed that these guys do not deserve to that. be freed. Yeah. yeah. Which some don't. Yeah. Some probably do if it was yeah. a very minor thing, but they just like wanted to get out. But anyway, uh, even though Alcatraz had its own morgue, not a single autopsy was ever performed there. They Anyone that needed one, they just took to the main land and okay. someone in San Francisco would do the autopsy. Okay. I was going to say, how did they get those stats then? Oh, they <laughs> took them out. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then my last statistic thing was that no executions ever took place on the island. Inmates sentenced to, with a death penalty were transferred to San Quentin State Penitentiary, where they had a gas chamber. Yeah. Which is just... Mm. But no one was executed there. So. so at least there's that. Yeah. Okay. Now moving on to more of like the prison life and rules kind of thing, which might have things they already covered, but I don't remember. <laughs> so privileges were earned, and I told you this earlier but in the booklet that was issued to all inmates that had to be kept in their cells in 1956 it says you are entitled to food clothing shelter and medical attention anything else that you get is a privilege and so they could earn privileges by having a good conduct record and that can include anything like more rec time visiting Mm -hmm. i don't remember what else but like you could gain things yeah um no visitors were allowed this is where i have it were allowed during inmates first three months and so there was also no regular meetings of a parole board 
and no appointment, like no parole officers were appointed to anyone really, which is just That's seems insane. wrong. Yeah. yeah. I can't believe he got away with doing that. Um, courts were not allowed to send anyone directly to Alcatraz. It only mm-hmm. transfers from other institutions. And after those mass transportation transfers, it was more like individual basis. Um, lawyers were only able to take on inmates if there was written permission from the attorney general. Wow. Yeah. Um, male privileges, physical mail, <laughs> physical letters were limited um so that only copies, like typed copies of letters were given to inmates. Like mm-hmm. the original letters were never given to them. So they couldn't get like handwritten letters. Yeah. They would come in, someone would type them up and then give them the typed up version. That's weird. I know. That sucks. I know. But also if someone's trying to plan an escape, it yeah, kind of makes I mean, sense. I get it, but. Yeah. Um, only books that were in the library were available to them. And there were no forms of entertainment such as newspapers, magazines, and radios. Uh, inmates were required to work eight hours a day, five days a week. They were given Saturdays, Sundays, and holidays off for recreation, like yard activities, like baseball, handball, table games, and movies were shown twice a month. So they at least got weekends, Mm -hmm. which feels humane. Like working eight hours a day, five days a week is what I do. So at least that doesn't seem insane. I now the level of work and the strictness of that, I don't know. But and also they weren't really being paid. So yeah, they were somewhere well, being if paid. They were being paid. It was, it was being like paid bad. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. But also, which is still how some of them, are it's today, the least. So. It's the least they could do for some. Like if someone murdered someone. Well, yeah. That's, like for some of them, I'm like. Okay, you deserve to do that. But yeah. anyway, um, as for work, inmates were assigned to places such as the culinary unit, library, yard detail, clothing and bathhouse, and some would work on like in the shops and do things. But uh, they had very strict schedules. And if you really want to see these schedules, they have like a free PDF copy of the handbook online, and it is very detailed. Um, they were only allowed to bathe a couple days a week, and it listed, like, the clean clothing and linens that they would get on those days, and I just kept thinking about, like, they did not get clean underwear and stuff every day, and that feels so gross yeah. and just not right. Um, then there is a list of things that they were allowed to keep in their cells, and so I wrote some of them down because I thought some were interesting, but... So they were allowed to have 12 books, max, which is a lot of books. That's, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, a paint box, radio headphones, but I don't know if they were allowed to have a radio. I don't know why... They had headphones. Um, they had some personal papers, which I guess is the typed copies mm-hmm. of things, I would assume. Um, they had a mirror, soap, and extra soap, it said. <laughs> so that's good. good. Tooth powder. Powder. Ooh. Um, shaving things. So they had razors. Mm-hmm. Um, bathrobes and face towels. A calendar, toilet tissue, extra shoes and slippers. Musical instruments. They were allowed to have musical instruments. Um, a broom and trash bin and extra blankets. Um, inmates were also required to have specific haircuts and were usually scheduled for new ones every three weeks. Um, they were allowed to shave in their own cells, but so they, they had like two blades that they were given. And if they needed a new one, they had to present both of them mm-hmm. to get that new ones. Sense. Yeah. So that you can't hurt other yeah, people I or mean, yourself. It was like, and I'm sure it was like the special razors from the commissary. Yeah. Like they're very just, yeah. protected. Yeah. Um, religious services were held on Sundays for Catholics, only Catholics and Jewish services were on appropriate occasions in quotes. So they didn't even get like their own Sabbath or anything. No. That's like only on Jewish holidays where I believe probably I, that's what I would assume they would think was an appropriate occasion. Um, so really not inclusive at all no. of anyone. Um, religious advice and counsel was available if inmates submitted a request to the chaplain. So there's at least that they can have help. Yeah. But anyways, that's what I have on that. 
And then now I have some of the escape attempts slash successes, kind of. Maybe not. Maybe Maybe not. (laughs) I don't know. Probably not. So the first, well, not the first. This is not the first thing that happened. This is one of the bigger ones called the Battle of Alcatraz. Uh, In May of 1946, it was one of the most violent escape attempts probably in history. Um, 14 guards and one inmate were left injured. Two officers and three inmates died of bullet wounds. Um, A bank robber from Kentucky. So... I did not put a lot of details into this part, but because it was just a lot and I felt like I was getting really deep into things. But it was led by a bank robber from Kentucky named Bernard Paul Coy and a man named Joseph Kretzer. And then along with the two of them, the youngest convict ever sent to Alcatraz named Clarence Carnes. And then two other inmates named Sam Shockley and Mirren Thompson. Uh, Basically, they had they stole guns and things and gunfire went on for um 48 hours whoa i know um at the end kretzer and coy were among the inmates found dead uh thompson and shockley were executed later in the gas chamber at san quentin for their role because they murdered one of the corrections officers Mm -hmm. specifically um carnes the youngest one had 99 years added on to his sentence wow yeah and if you want to hear more, maybe someday I will go on and yeah. research specifically that, maybe. But it was just a lot. Yeah. 48 hours. That's so long. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. And some of the inmates, I feel like, did try to put a stop to it. Like, one guy is known as, I think his name is Robert Stroud, and he was known as the Birdman of Alcatraz. Oh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway. And he, like, tried to stop it? Or? I think he, like, kind of was like, I think what I saw was, like, he tried to, like, be like, stop didn't do anything anyways so this is kind of just general facts about it but over the 29 years that alcatraz was a federal penitentiary 36 inmates two of which tried to escape twice were involved in 14 separate escape attempts um 23 of these were prisoners were caught Mm -hmm. six were shot and killed and two drowned and then these numbers kind of include the three that did manage to somewhat escape. I don't yeah. know if they live. And people presume, though, that they drowned. That they drowned, yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's some numbers in that missing, and I don't know who they were. But uh, there was one attempt each year from 1936 to 1939. So four okay. in four years. And then... Two in 1941 and two in 1943. These are not, I was just listing them because yeah. they were really similar, all of these. But um, one attempt was in 1945, and then the Battle of Alcatraz was in 1946. And then the next attempt didn't occur for another 10 years until 1956. So Whoa. the Battle of Alcatraz probably I'm, put a lot of fear yeah. into people, like, not doing that again. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then... In 1958, there was one, and then the last two were in 1962, and that includes, like, the great escape from Alcatraz, and then the prison closed in 1963. So that's a lot of attempts, like, a lot. Um, So now the great escape of Alcatraz. And I feel like I'm almost done, so I don't know how long this is. (laughs) That's okay. I Listen. You signed up for this if you're listening to this episode. (laughs) So the great escape from Alcatraz was the second-to-last escape attempt. Three men... Well, kind of four. But three men were officially involved in this. Frankly Morris, who had a lot of crimes ranging from narcotics possession to armed robbery. And then two brothers, John and Clarence Anglin, who were serving sentences also for armed robbery. Um, all three were sent from Alcatraz to Atlanta or from, no, yes, that's right, from Atlanta to Alcatraz from Atlanta. I thought I said, okay. I might yeah, have said it weird think, the first time. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. They were all, so they had all knew each other before. Yeah. They met in Atlanta and they all said, like, I don't know, which that again, why would you send people that work together? To send them yeah. somewhere else. Separate yeah. them, please. 
Uh-huh. Oh, um, they were sent to Alcatraz because they had a sequence of escape attempts. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Split them up. Yeah. Um, another inmate named Alan West took credit later for masterminding the escape because he was in on it, but he got left behind. Um, the plan was super complex with things like they made lifelike dummies to put in their beds. Um, they had life preservers and water rafts that were made of over 50 raincoats from other inmates, which some were stolen, some were given to them. Yeah. Some were like, get out of here. Like They said, I support you, but I'm not going to try. Not joining <laughs> in on that. Yeah. Um, the plan started to come to life in December 1961. And by May 1962, the Anglin brothers and Morris had dug through the six by nine inch vent holes and were working on the vent on the top of the cell block. And it just like, it all worked out with like their work schedules and how they could get away with that. Uh, they would start around 5.30 p.m. and work until lights out around 9 p.m. Uh, the two brothers had adjacent cells and then mm-hmm. the other two were close by as well. So again, why would you put them next to each put other? Put them in also? different blocks or something. Yeah. Which I guess makes sense. I don't know how they ordered things, but maybe because their last maybe names. last name, yeah. But Morris and West are not anywhere near no. England. So I don't know. Maybe it's by how they came in. Who knows? Um, West had been left behind because he couldn't get out in time because his ventilator grill above his cell, I think, got stuck. And mm. so it had happened on June 11, 1962, and Morris said had decided that the top vent was loose enough to get out. And so after lights out at 9.30 p.m., he brought down the dummies. One of the England brothers tried to help West, like, get out and, like, tried to pull the grill up, but it was they not couldn't. working. Yeah, yeah, and he was like, we just got to go and ditch this guy. And West, West did eventually get out, but they were long gone by that time. So the three that got out, they climbed up 30 feet to the cell house roof and then crossed 100 feet on the rooftop and then made their way down 50 feet near where the shower area was. And then no one ever saw the three of them ever again. So the plan, according to West, was to use the wrath that they made to get to Angel Island and then rest there and then go to the other side of the island and then swim to the mainland to Marin County, I think. And then they would steal a car and clothes and then go their separate ways mm-hmm. and get out. But no reports of robbery or car of cars or clothing or anything were reported in that county that they were planning to go to like up to 12 days after. Like no one heard anything and no family or friends were in the area to help them either. So they were kind of like, how would they do it, you know? Um, but no bodies were found anywhere in the water or anything. So people believe that that was proof that they made it. But also... It's not uncommon for things and people bodies not to be found in mm-hmm. the Bay Area. For example, the same day, same night, a man committed suicide by jumping from the Golden Gate Bridge and his body was never recovered. So it's not unlikely. Yeah. Um, the water was also recorded to be 50 to 54 degrees that night and that would have an effect on body bodily functions after 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it takes longer than 20 minutes to swim across the Bay Area. Yeah. So also sharks are a thing. I don't know. Um, some personal items were found in the water the next day and a life preserver with teeth marks on the valve so i think like the class of it seemed like it didn't work so mm-hmm. i'm assuming they they did not make it um, a body was actually found floating 20 miles northwest of the golden gate bridge on july 17th 1962 and it was clothed in something that seemed to be what the prison uniforms were and multiple coroners confirmed that a body could float for five weeks after drowning and so 
they never like 100% ID'd who it was someone, but definitely a lead that I think they were like, probably that. And the Anglin family never heard from either brother ever again. And they felt as if they would have heard something from them if either of them had survived. Yeah. So there's that. And then I have a little part on hauntings because I was going to watch Ghost Adventures and then I realized I was just going to tell you all not to firmly believe things. That doesn't, that won't stop me in the future, but I Listen, we love watching Ghost Adventures, but also we don't know how we feel about Ghost Adventures. Yeah. (laughs) Mixed emotions. Do we watch every episode every Friday? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Do I like Zach Fagans? Mm. (laughs) But if Zach Fagans wants to meet me, I want to have a conversation. We would talk. We would have a conversation. Yeah. You want to be featured on our podcast? We also want to go to his museum, so. Yeah. Don't come for us. We know we're hypocrites. (laughs) (laughs) anyways so the hauntings of alcatraz i just have like general like things that happen so cell block d is what people say is mostly the most haunted part of it which makes sense yeah um a lot of visitors feel cold spots in there and they brought in a lot of psychics that have like seen people like in it but i don't know what psychics are so um staff often reports crashing sounds running footsteps screaming and cell doors closing on their own some even hear moaning and chains rattling and constantly feel like they're being watched um people have also reported hearing did they have like i don't know I don't know, but I feel like most prisons are like, that could be a chain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, People have also reported hearing a banjo in the shower room, which is allegedly where Al Capone liked to spend time playing the banjo. So like, that's Al Capone. (laughs) But there's also claims that Al Capone is in Eastern State Penitentiary, I think. I think his room there is still preserved. So every prison that had Al Al Capone Capone is going to want to claim him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, People have also claimed to see apparitions of guards and prisoners. And some people have even felt like they're being touched. So that's all I have. But it's spooky. I feel like more ghost shows need to go film at Alcatraz. Oh, totally. Because I don't feel like many have. And I would watch those a lot. Oh, yeah. Also, we played GeoGuessr. I was going to say that. <laughs> we played GeoGuessr a couple weeks ago. And it took us to Alcatraz. Yeah. We were like, there's no way. Yes, it yeah, was. It, it was. was. Near the lighthouse. Yeah. It was cool. So we've been there. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone wants to road trip, maybe not road trip, fly with us. Yeah, to I was other. like, I'm not driving to Anyways. San Francisco. <laughs> but yeah. So. But. Alcatraz. Ooh. There's so much more. Yeah. Like, seriously, one, you can just read it for yourself if you really want to read all of it. But if down the line... That could be a multiple parter yeah. if you wanted it to be, but that's You'll just a lot. You'll have to let me know. There's a lot more <laughs> yeah. that I just skipped. But anyway. It's wild. Yep. Well, a wild one. Episode 11. Look at us go. Crazy. Anyways, you can follow us on Instagram at Something Sick Podcast or on Twitter at A Sick Podcast or follow our TikTok at Something Sick Podcast or send us an email at Something Sick Podcast at gmail.com. Someone send us an email. That would be fun. Yeah. Not my sister sent one once. Let's just said hi. <laughs> Thanks, Kristen. Yeah. <laughs> Someone else, please. Anyways. Oh. Well, we'll see you next time. Peace out, homies.